0: Hello, Ian. Welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. And today I'm joined with Daniel Friedman, who's the chairman of the board of Carbon Engineering and an author of numerous books. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. And thank you for tuning in today. If this is your first time joining us, welcome aboard. It's great to have you. If you've tuned in before, thank you for your continued support. I hope that this podcast today with Daniel Friedman is a joy for you to listen to, um, add some flavor uh, into your podcasts, and and I'm excited for this one. Uh, Daniel is a very smart man who studies the intersection of science and faith, science and the Bible. He is a chairman of Carbon Engineering, a company dedicated to removing CO2 from the air to so- solve climate change. He was the president and CEO of a global communications and information's company for many years. Um, he's, he's an engineer. Um, he's an author of numerous books. And I'm excited in this conversation, we touch in his latest book, The Biblical Clock, which is very reader friendly for those who are um, have extensive knowledge of the Bible or of science uh, or have very little knowledge uh, of Bible or science. He, he w- walks through a narrative format to dissect uh, some important topics. In today's conversation, we chat about creation, the creation, uh, story in Genesis, uh, and existing scientific um, theories. We, we look into evolution, um, are we able to hold science and religion together? Can we hold that evolution together with the Bible? Um, he gives us some historical background into, into the roots of, uh, of, of, the, of the tension between the two. Um, but as you'll soon find out, he does not see any impe- impediment or any uh, challenge with, with having this alignment uh, between the two. We discuss a little bit into uh, the, the prophetic uh, voices uh, of Isaiah uh, and, and looking into uh, mapping up or fitting uh, science with, uh, with, with the prophecies as well. I'm very excited for this conversation and I'm going to leave, uh, leave it at that for now, um, but do hope that you you enjoy this conversation with Daniel Friedman. Daniel, thanks so much for joining me in the Guys Like Us podcast today.
1: so much for having me.
0: My pleasure, my pleasure. Um, so for, for folks that may not be as aware of uh, who you are and a bit more about your story, uh, I'd like to kick off with some of your background. Um, we'd love to know where you grew up, kind of, what's, what's some of the, what your childhood was like, and, and then when did you um, start getting involved into, into all the, the amazing work that you're doing now? Um, especially with with, uh, with science and faith.
1: Okay, well, thank you. Yes, I was born in Chile, in South America, and uh, lived there till 13, and then my parents moved up to the west coast of Canada, which where I still am, in Vancouver, British Columbia. So I, I did uh, up to grade 10 in Chile, and then finished my schooling here, and went to university here, uh, becoming an engineering, an engineer. But, you know, my faith and science uh, dates back to before that. Of course, I was exposed, uh, I wasn't raised religious, but I was exposed to the Bible, and in particular to the creation narrative in the Bible. And then, uh, you know, in high school, I was basically only good at math and physics, so that kind of determined where I was
0: headed
1: <laughs> into yeah. engineering. And I began to be exposed to... Uh, the, the science. And, uh, you know, I, I graduated as, a, as an engineer, and um, and I, by about third year university, I started realizing that we didn't have all the answers in science like I seemed to be in high school and in early years, and, and was left with those questions. And then I went into the space business for 37 years, uh, the last 20 of which I spent uh, running. Uh, the largest manufacturer in the world of, of communication satellites, commercial communication satellites. Uh, but we did many other things. We, we repaired the Hubble Space Telescope many times. So I was involved with NASA and with the Hubble Space Telescope, which, of course, is the instrument that's kind of been the workhorse for the scientific community mm-hmm. for the last uh, 20, 30 years to really figure out how the universe came to be, how old it is, and many of the things we know about the universe throughout that whole time. You know my science background and my religious uh, work. I went, I went a little more uh, back into religion, studied more, and uh, you know began to piece together uh, what science was saying about the universe, what the Bible was saying about the universe. So I kept on on working on that for throughout that whole time. Um, sometimes with more energy and, and sometimes uh, with less, depending on how busy the life was.
0: Very, a uh, very exciting, and it seems like once you, uh, <clears throat> once you get into the into the type of work that you're doing, there, my initial impression would be that there be, uh, folks that that go straight to the Bible and people that that steer clear from the Bible. So it sounds like you've uh, you've you've done the former, uh, which is which is very encouraging, and I know you've done done a lot of great work, um, in in finding connections and finding continuous. Uh, components of of the bible and especially through creation and and some some of that i'd love to love to uh love to uncover as we get into this podcast um but first congratulations on your your latest book the biblical clock the untold secrets linking the universe and humanity with god's plan that's very exciting uh can you share a bit more about uh how that's been for you thus far and some of the inspiration behind uh this book
1: Sure, I'd love to. It's been uh, been. It was great to 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 write it and work on it, and and it's it's done very well since it was only released a few months ago. Uh, you know, the inspiration is, I think, uh, as you mentioned, I'm a believing scientist, uh, and the people around me know about it. Certainly, my family knows about it, and and the next generation uh, in my family, um, you know, as my nephews and nieces and so on went through school some through religious schools, some through the normal schools. Um, they got exposed to uh, you know, all the science. And unlike when I went through school, where we learned science to make satellites and to make light bulbs and to make computers and so on, uh, today in, in the standard curriculum in most of the U.S. and Canada, they basically teach uh, the theories about how the universe came to be and how life came to be which weren't taught back then, mm-hmm. and uh, so the kids uh, are seeing that, and with my background on being in both worlds, they knew that I was working on the Hubble, uh, which was a big played a big part, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the question came to me, you know, how do you live on both sides, aren't these things completely incompatible, mm-hmm. so that's what spurred me to kind of double down on my lifetime interest in this area, and, and to really try and get something beyond, no, they're not incompatible, As an answer. Yeah. You know, something a little more worked out that could could rival the scientists on, on how these things uh, do do fit together and work together. So that kind of inspired uh, the work I've been doing for the last t- uh, 10 years. I, I didn't intend to write books, but, you know, people said, you got to write this stuff down. And uh, my latest book, The Biblical Clock, is an attempt to make the material Uh, accessible to anybody without any background on the Bible or science. I tried to write it. Of course, some people are going to have some background on each uh, and maybe some on both, but I tried to write it, not assuming any background and try. I worked with a co-author to to make it a a narrative. So it's it's more of a story and more accessible. Mm. And so that's kind of where, where the book came from.
0: Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm excited to read it myself and um, it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged um, by, by the work that you're doing and um, you, you had mentioned that there is some kind of current thought around the incompatibility uh, of creation in the Bible. Uh, can you, before we get into the kind of some of the, you know, how, what, what you've uh, been able to find and how you're able to put them in, in harmony, what is some of the existing kind of uh, thoughts, or arguments, dialogue? That is, uh, that is saying that there is this incompatibility with science and in, in the Bible?
1: Sure. You know, it, it kind of goes back a couple hundred years ago uh, to, and we haven't made a lot of progress, but it goes back to England. And at that time, the universities in England were um, were run by the church. So some of the more famous people of the time that taught at the universities were actually priests, the, the first fellow to kind of figure out the Big Bang Theory. It wasn't called that back then. It had less of a marketing name. But he was a Catholic priest. Mm -hmm. And and the problem arose when the geologists at the time went looking around for rocks and kept finding rocks that were quite a bit older than 6,000 years, which is kind of the Genesis timeline. You know, Mm -hmm. the Genesis timeline, there were six days of creation, and then we kind of count everybody's age, which is given in the Bible, and mesh it into... Um, modern history, and, and you come up with about six thousand, depending on who does it. But you don't come up with billions, that's for sure, or even millions. So uh, these were believing scientists at the time. They they understood the world to be about six thousand years old, maybe ten thousand if you stretched it. And they were finding rocks. At first, they were forty thousand, then a hundred thousand, then a million years old, and and that created uh, the the issue. Of course, at the time, Darwin. Uh, soon after that, Darwin came out with a theory which proposed another alternative for how life may have come to be, instead of the biblical uh, alternative. And because the timelines were in such disagreement, people were kind of in the mood to look for another answer. If the Bible couldn't get the dates right, maybe it couldn't get it how it happened right either. And that spawned what is today known as the creation-evolution debate. You know, is everything divinely created, or did it happen by chance? Uh, but it really started from timeline. So, you know, what what you have today is um, th- there's one answer that says, look, uh, science is fine for the here and now if you want to figure out how to make a GPS or a light bulb or whatever, use science, but you, you can't use it to extrapolate back in time. You're not going to get the right answer. Uh, stick to the Bible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then another answer is well, look, we know so much from science now, and it's incompatible with the Bible. Clearly, the Bible was a bunch of stories. It wasn't meant to be taken. Literally, stick with science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how it, it, it polarizes. Uh, but surprisingly, in the United States at least, about 40% of the population, there's a poll run every year by, uh, that asks certain questions that kind of gives us an idea of what people are thinking. Uh, but in the United States, about, about 40% of people believe that Uh, believe in God and believe that some aspects at least of creation were divine and they also think that science is correct Um, so at kind of the street level, people are kind of uh, wanting to put these things together Uh, but uh, there isn't an obvious uh, way to do it there's been some proposals but Mm -hmm. uh, theistic evolution and and God-guided evolution and so on but they're just arguments. They don't get to the core of what's written in the Bible, and they don't get to the core of what science has discovered. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow! Um, so uh, I know there's there's a handful of different, uh, I guess, topics that, that you mentioned in your book and some of your earlier books. Um, I think where I'd like to start, in particular, getting a bit more into the, the details, is where where did where did the universe come from? Um, Kind of that initial uh, mention, the Big Bang Theory. Um, did did it come from this nothingness? How how do we make sense of the the, the kind of the competing claims, if they are competing, of uh, the origins of, uh, of of our universe?
1: Sure. So let me let me start with science, and then I'll move on to the Bible. Perfect. Um, you know, science has the Big Bang Theory. Uh, it's a, it's kind of a a fancy name for saying. Look, we, we, we look out at the stars today, and it turns out that they're moving, everything's moving out there, and um, they're moving away from each other, and therefore we can kind of try to play the movie backwards, since we kind of know where everything's moving right now, let's just play it back in time. And when you play it back in time, the universe starts to get denser and hotter and denser and hotter and smaller, and that's where the name Big Bang comes from, that it came from a very small point hmm. and it expanded from there till today. Hmm. But the interesting thing about the scientific uh, theory is that it explains the universe quite well. It's very successful once you get it started. But it says nothing about the beginning. Hmm. Okay. So that the, the equations blow up. Not only that... You need over 26 numbers to put into this theory, like the mass of an electron, the mass of a proton, the force of gravity, and so on, speed of light, all of these parameters that we measure, scientifically measure. But you need to put them into the equation at the beginning for for the whole universe to develop and to be as successful as everybody claims that science is. The trouble is that if you vary any one of those parameters, even by a small percentage, nothing works. And that's called today the fine tuning problem. So we have a very successful scientific theory, but it says nothing about the beginning, how space came to be, how time came to be, how all the elementary particles, like the electron and so on, came to be and the forces of nature came to be. If you assume all that and you measure all that and then you run it forward, it all works very nicely. So that's where science is today in cosmology. Hmm. Now, you know, when I first went into the Bible to ask the question Jesus asked, how did the universe come to be? Well, you read Genesis. It's, It's quite short. And it seems a little supernatural god said god said god said um and yet science is saying hey i can't explain most things it's at the very beginning naturally well it turns out that when you you really study uh genesis it, uh, the text very clearly says by the words that it's using that uh, the events in genesis were god working within nature he created nature right at the beginning and then he chose to work within nature so the account is saying that if you study it through this scientific hourglass which is that things happen naturally you're going to get the right answer it's going to work it's going to look like it's natural and you know the the deep reasons in the bible for that is that he wanted to give us free will and therefore you know it's just not obvious in creation he's he's hidden behind the, the forces of nature concealed behind the forces of nature by and large, um, uh, so that when you read the, the creation narrative, uh, it, it basically says, with a few exceptions, that things happen naturally. In the case of cosmology, which is the history of the, of the cosmos, not of life, which we're talking about for a minute now, mm-hmm. it said everything except the beginning was done within the forces of nature. So the Bible is predicting that the Big Bang Theory will be very successful, and science will be very successful, and science will come to the conclusion that everything happened naturally. But it also says very clearly that the beginning was from nothing physical. That's what the first created. In the beginning, God created. That created, when you look back at the Hebrew, it's really a special word, which means out of nothing. Ex nihilo, as it's saying Latin. Mm-hmm. And uh, and, and the text as you dig deeper into them. Said he created time, and he created space, and he created the forces of nature and the particles of nature. And then the rest is easy. That's like you know, it's like buying a Lego set. Once you have the Lego set, everything else is easy. You just snap the things together, and, and you build almost any structure. The hard part is making the little, the little things that snap together, which are our elementary particles and forces of nature. So from my perspective, the Bible and science are in complete agreement. Um, the Bible is saying. After the beginning, from nothing, you'll explain everything naturally. Science says, I can explain everything naturally. Then science turns around and says, I can't explain the beginning at all. You know, when I went to school, we thought we were close to the answer. That was 40 years ago. Uh, We're further away from the answer today because as science has explored these parameters from the beginning of the universe that I spoke about, they've turned out to be needed to be more and more fine-tuned and then more and more mysterious, and we have... A Nobel Prize-winning physicist saying, "You know, we may never get to this answer." So, in a sense, science is, is confirming that the, the beginning part was miraculous. Everything else mm. appears natural.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah. So, what what I'm what I'm hearing now is that um, there's a there's science is not able to under to, to come to terms with this initial cause or kind of the initial the initial movement um, that that started that. Was a lot was able to a lot to to enable uh, nature to flow and, and just to st- and then I, I, I assume eventually to be able to see kind of how evolution came to fruition. I, 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 am I on the uh, right right track here?
1: Yeah. It turns out that in the in the Genesis narration, there are three times that the ex nihilo creation out of nothing is used. The first one is the very beginning of cosmology, which we just spoke about. Yeah. The next one is the creation of in day five. Of the animals and fishes in the sea mm. and the third one is the human soul not the human body the human soul the, bo- the human body is kind of created as you read in Genesis 2 more or less the same as the human animals which of course science has discovered mm-hmm. uh, but the human soul is a very special thing which science is, has a big big problem with so mm-hmm. when you go through the whole uh, creation narrative uh, you end up saying Yeah, what's happening there is that things have been made something from something according to the laws of nature, and that's exactly what science studies. But in three places, God starts from nothing, physical. Of course, he starts from spiritual, but he starts from nothing, physical. And those three correspond to the three biggest unanswered questions in science today. And at least on one of those questions, they're starting to admit that they may never get to an answer. So they're starting to see the miraculous piece of it.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So I, when I, when you said there's three there's three three things that come from nothing in Genesis, um, and one of them is animals, not 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 humans. So that that kind of leads to my next question is thinking about Adam. So it, it sounds like at was was Adam was Adam created out of nothing, or was uh, was he actually the first man? Kind of how, how do you how are you able to understand that um, that and especially kind of looking at the how. Uh, How how humans evolved uh, in in that process?
1: Yeah, so you know one of the other nothing creations is when God is making Adam But it's not his body when it comes to making his body The description in Genesis is very similar to how the body of animals was made from the dust of the ground and so on and so forth Yeah, but when it comes to his soul uh, The description is that God blew the soul into Adam so humans are the only creation that's made out of two pieces. An earthly piece, just like the animals, which is the body. So it's not a surprise that when we look at our bodies, we say, hey, we're we're just a a better model or maybe a worse model in some ways than some of the previous bodies out there. But when you look at the soul from a biblical perspective, uh, it's a divine, it's a piece of God. that's not it's out of nothing physical but it's actually a piece of God so we have a divine soul and now science uh, did not can't deal with souls it it hasn't even figured out whether we're what consciousness is but what science can do is it can measure behavior so scientists go around and they measure behavior and they they've gone around started with Jane Goodall but it's continued on and they, they compare Our behaviors today were the behaviors of the primates that exist, all the apes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she sat there in the jungle for two or three years and looked at how the apes were behaving and said, you know, what's the difference between their behavior and our behavior? And she was a bit surprised because, you know, the the kind of romantic idealization is that we'll fight less, we'll take better care of our young. None of that's true. We fight just as much. They take good care of their young and so on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But she was able to observe a bunch of behaviors which have been refined now and actually have been tested against extinct species because from the from the from the fossil record of extinct species like neanderthals and so on we can infer some of their behavior and there's a set today in science of what's called modern human behaviors and these are defined as behaviors that science believes that we possess that nothing else in creation existing today or ever existed in the past has possessed and they've categorized these behaviors now when you look at genesis and you dig deep into the text and say what came with that soul that divine soul that god breathed into adam we actually have a list of behaviors that came with that soul it predates anything that was written down in science and it agrees so although we can't agree on whether there's a soul or not with scientists we can agree that we have certain behaviors and the bible says what those behaviors are and all all of those were written down before anybody worked it out in the scientific side so we we cannot have an agreement that there's something miraculous inside each human being that makes it unique and i say miraculous because science doesn't have a good explanation for a modern human behavior for example one of the modern human behaviors is art and painting we have all these amazing uh, painted caves uh, especially in Europe now from our Darwinian evolution point of view you should be out hunting not painting doesn't do you much mm-hmm. good to paint for survival yet you know we paint yet you and I are sitting right now not here hunting but we're discussing the creation of, of the universe <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's not very good for survival
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: we should be doing something more practical right so right. these modern human behaviors like mathematics and, and planning and so on they're quite mysterious, they, they don't seem to make a lot of sense to have evolved. So that's where that comes from, and that's what was given to Adam. And uh, the Bible also states that Adam contained the soul of all humanity. And when Adam sinned, uh, that soul was broken up into pieces, into bits of soul, and each of us gets one of those pieces to work on, to try and undo the sin over over 6,000 years of history. Um, so Adam was was very special, uh, and so are we. We're kind of in the same image, um, and uh, and he had he had this divine, and we have this divine soul, which science has seen in this in the sense of its behaviors.
0: Mm, inter- interesting. So the the, the the divine soul is something that is is um, is not. Un- I guess you, we're able to see it through its behaviors, but we're not. It's not. Uh, it doesn't fit into the this Darwinian idea of evolution, of um, th- that that that's this the sole component uh, would not fit into, uh, or it's it's really not explainable. It, thinking about beauty, thinking about uh, like you said planting or um, or studying mathematics, it wouldn't make sense as to the kind of the the, the functionality or the 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 resourcefulness of of doing this, but. Um, we're able to see the 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 importance of this uh, through 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 Genesis through God giving Adam the ability to uh, to to make decisions to make to have free will to um, to start to kind of nurture uh, the garden to nurture and, and to you know to to have some responsibility in, in himself
1: right and you know one, one of the biggest ones is, is planting. You know, there's, there's this monkey that they've taught 300 uh, words in sign language. The monkeys don't have our speaking apparatus, which is one of the things that came with the soul, that our ability to speak, where are Nonetheless, it was thought way back that, you know, never mind, we'll teach him sign language and we'll be able to have a chat with him. And a and monkey can't, can't plan it. He can't take his past experience and think forward and say, I'm going to do something different tomorrow. Like we can, and, and that's one of the key modern behaviors that nothing else has. Uh, so you know, when a monkey crosses the street, it takes the other monkey by the hand, uh, or or the other monkey just has to learn how to cross the street. We we sit down and tell the kids, you know, next time you cross the street, you gotta look both ways, like I'm showing you now. And if you hear a sound, don't go, and if you don't go, mm-hmm. that level of very simple. Uh, planning is not there instead the the animals just kind of make a noise when there's a danger Um, but they they just don't plan it out into the future so all those things were were given to Adam and then us and um, yeah science has a hard time explaining there's no good theory about how we came about these modern human behaviors of course the belief is that you know we got smarter and smarter and smarter and all of these things are just related to being smart and having lots of connections in our head, but you know we've seen that moral values and things like that don't come from being smart. Very advanced civilizations have done some pretty dumb yeah. or immoral things, at least.
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, very. So, yes, very, very um, uh, well, well uh, said and articulated. Um, the kind of the final piece I wanted to think about uh, is kind of how how the uh, the uh, prophecies fit with the end of with the end of time, and how are, how are you been able to look at that um, from this point of view?
1: Sure. You know, um, I was working on creation, of course, and, you know, doing talking, like we're talking now, and people are saying, okay, I, I can see that the, there's information there. I can see that we can see some compatibility. I can see we can learn from both. Uh, but, you know, when, once God made the watch, as the watchmaker series says did he did he go away did he just wind it up and you know wind up nature and the world runs or, or is he involved hmm. uh, and of course the bible says very clearly that he is involved that there's a plan
0: uh
1: for history a plan for humanity an end of days um and, and so on so um I discovered through reading through the sources that the creation narrative is quite tied into the plan, because when he was making, he kind of put the plan together. So not, not my, my main field, but I, I did do some work on, mm-hmm. on the end-of-day uh, prophecies and how they relate to Adam and his sin and so on. And yeah, you know, the, the, the Bible says there's a plan for history. Now, we have free will, and, and therefore we can kind of mess up the plan or we can help the plan. And I never really uh, understood this well until until I uh, until my company got quite large and I had several thousand people reporting to me. And you know, I had a business plan, and I would try to communicate it as best I could, and write it down, and speak mm-hmm. about it often as I could. And yet, uh, you know, it didn't it didn't always happen. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: God's a bit more resourceful than I am, but, uh, but what happens is, is people's, people's free will gets in the way. But in the end, I, I did get the plan done. I may have had to reassign people, hire new people, you know, say it again and again and <laughs> change things. But over time, we moved towards the plan, and some people worked towards it, some didn't. And those that worked to it got more rewarded than those that didn't, and, and we, we got there. And that's kind of the notion uh, in that there, there is a plan. Uh, but it's not fixed to the minute. And some people can go against the the will of God and kind of get in the way of the plan, and some people can, of course, jump on the bandwagon and make the plan happen faster. Uh, But in the end, we're going to get there by hook or by crook uh, on it. So that's kind of what I discovered, and these prophecies are, are basically there for two reasons. One is to say, look, this is the plan. There's gonna be a kingdom of God. We will we will plow our, our our weapons into plowshares and so on, as it says in Isaiah. And and by the way, if you're not working towards the planet, these other things that are not so good are gonna happen. I think, which we unfortunately have seen and we see all the time. Um, so that's kind of how it works. So that, that's why that work I did that work because uh, you could once you do that, you start seeing that uh, we are moving. Uh, towards the, the plan, and and sometimes when you get discouraged, it's just that uh, it's just that we're not working hard enough on it.
0: Mm, yeah. Um, thank you, thank you for for um, I- exploring uh, that 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 component and thinking about um, kind of how we're stewarding, how we're restoring or reconciling um, the as Isaiah has mentioned in a lot of, of, of in uh, in his writings on tending to to nature, uh, and aligning with, um, the kind of the, you know, the, the ultimate plan of, uh, of our, of, of our time. So it's, it's, uh, it's, you get into a very interesting, uh, kind of space, but it's, it's important to think about, um, how kind of how that can align with, um, our responsibility here, uh, and our responsibility of, um, of being able to explain this uh, from a scientific level as well. Um, so just to to kind of to to wrap up, just wanted to know what what advice you'd have for for people as they're either you know beginning their quest or kind of getting into reading on if they're more if they're if they are interested in learning more about um, about uh, science and faith and science in the Bible uh, without without being an expert in in the work. Kind of what what uh, what advice would you have for people as they? As they, as they begin this quest?
1: You know, I think my main advice is to, uh, to not be shy. Um, it's not as complicated as it, as it may sound. And the, the main concepts are, you know, we discussed some of them today. The main concepts are not hard. Mm-hmm. I find that a lot of people think they're quite experts in evolution, that even the experts in evolution are not expert because lots of things have not been worked out. Uh, so something that complex, everybody seems to kind of grasp very quickly from a couple of public television television programs. Um, so you know you don't you don't need to be an expert in the Bible or in science to appreciate uh, the key issues and to be able to uh, resolve them. Now you know I'm a little bit biased, but I, I worked really hard on the, on the biblical plot mm-hmm. to make it an introductory uh, book to that and and, and to stick stick with facts and not argue that you know butterflies are beautiful and therefore god created them good argument but it, you can't win the argument because it's just not strong enough um so i kind of went to the bible text and said look this is what it's saying and look this is what science is saying mm. let's just look at the facts they're not they're not at odds with each other so uh there's a lot of literature out there there's a, there's a lot of good programming from many uh, ministries and science uh, programs and um I wouldn't shy away from it. It's a it's a big important question that we all have to answer for ourselves. And the concepts are not are not that hard or, or confusing, even with starting with no background, on one or two of them.
0: Great, great. Well, uh, well, thank you so much. And where can where can we find the book or find you and and stay up to date with um with everything that you're doing?
1: You know the best the best place to. Uh, is on Amazon these days okay uh, so my my books are on on Amazon uh, amazon.com in particular uh and I also have a website which is my name uh, Daniel Friedman books.ca CA for Canada mm-hmm. uh, but you know they're on Amazon and, and on my at least on my latest book I got smart I I, I have one button you can push on the Kindle or, or one website you can go to uh if you have the, the, the written book or the audio book, and you press one button, then I will automatically advise you when my next book comes out. So, you know, I'm, I'm working on a series to answer the questions that people have, have posed. And The Biblical Clock is kind of the introductory book that frames the scientific and biblical knowledge at the kind of level that you and I have been discussing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I have, uh, I'm, I'm working on another book, and I have some other books that I wrote earlier that kind of go deeper if people want to go deeper.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, well, uh, I appreciate all of your um, your wisdom and your knowledge on on, on this topic, uh, and and hope that listeners are able to to get their hands on a copy of the book to to dig into a whole lot more um, of of this conversation. So, Daniel, thanks so much for joining me and the guys like us podcast today. It was a pleasure having you on.
1: Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me.